Hello, and welcome again to That's Gross, unless you're into it. I'm your host, Miss Kay Chalice, along with my very sniffly and snorry old dog. Uh, we're recording today from my very posh new studio slash office space in our new house. Our being me and my wonderful partners, of course, not ours as in you and me. We're still getting to know each other, listeners. Let's take it slow. Anyway, because I was moving last week and things were just so hectic, I honestly couldn't be arsed to take notes for this week's episode, so I left it up to you, listeners, to send me anonymous questions, and holy shit, you guys really went all out with it. I'm really excited to be able to answer a lot of these, because they were some really good questions. There were a lot, so I may not get to every single one of them today, but I'm going to do my very best to get to some of the bigger ones with more involved answers, and I'm going to split up some other questions into another episode in the future. Uh, Let's get started, though, with one of the first ones that I received, which is, why did I get into sex work? And I feel like when people ask this, on some level, they want me to give the sob story about how my low self-esteem had an impact and I had no choice but to show off my body to make money. But the thing is, I have been kinky and fascinated by sex since a way young age, Uh, much younger than I should have been, probably about 13 or 14. And as I got older, I realized how much I loved people watching me and how much I loved people watching me please myself and show off once I got a little bit older. And I started playing around with my dominant side when I was about 17, and it just kind of took off from there. I found a big part of myself in learning more about dynamics, kinks, porn, and just the way that people connect, even through like sexual videos. It gave me a lot of pleasure to do what I already love doing, enjoying my body and giving people a service that may not be something that they're able to get in their everyday life. It may ruin like the whole dominatrix idea of female supremacy, But I genuinely am a people pleaser, and I guess I just kind of fell in love with the idea of being myself and making people feel seen while I get to be myself. And also horny. That's also a big benefit. I'm just a big horn dog. So that totally helps with that, too. Question number two. Have you ever been with a trans or non-binary person sexually? How do you identify in your sexuality? I identify as a cisgendered woman with she, her pronouns, and I tend to lean on the umbrella term of queer. I know there are a lot of people that don't like that phrase, but it's how I identify, so shush. Uh, Pansexual never felt quite right to me personally, and neither did bisexual, so I'm queer, and whomever I find attractive, I find attractive. I don't really care what is or isn't in your trousers, but as far as being with a trans person, yes, very much so. I have been with uh, trans men, women, and even intersex individuals. Uh, In fact, my ex, now my ex-wife, who is the self-identifying father of my son, who I have a great co-parenting relationship with, is a trans woman. She's beautiful and terribly funny and strong as fuck. And when we were together, we had very fun, very hot power dynamic going. You will all actually be hearing from her in a few weeks as she will be a guest on an episode and we're going to be talking about cisification, how to navigate that as kind of a problematic kink when it comes to trans people. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Question number three, advice for starting cam girl, what to do and what to avoid. I have to admit, I haven't done live camming work for about three years. Um, I kind of made the switch to doing uh, custom porn downloads and paid online sessions But honestly, the rules never really change, and I did look into it just to make sure that I'm not giving you the wrong information still. 
making sure that I'm not old and outdated. Quick summary of things that you do want to do. Uh, have you some good equipment. When I say good equipment, I mean have good high quality HD video camera or webcam. People are interested in seeing all of you. So make sure you're not a glitchy pixel blob, basically. High speed internet, make sure you have that, again, so that you aren't a glitchy pixel blob monster. And definitely, definitely good lighting. If you can't afford something swanky like photography lighting, create a fun, flirty, and most importantly, comfortable space for you with really good lamps. Just make sure that you're really well lit. That's what people are paying to see. None of this overhead lighting bullshit. You'll look like a piece of Mike Mignola artwork with crazy shading. Set yourself up with good social media. Network a lot. Twitter works the best, honestly. I normally would have said Tumblr, but we all know how that's turning out. Fucking mad. But anyway, a good Twitter account it's, is worth its weight in gold. Literally. If you update regularly and let people know when you'll be on cam for the day, or if there's anything special that you're going to be doing, a lot of the cam sites that you'll be starting out on, like Chatterbait, rely on getting tips or tributes from your audience. So a lot of new cam girls think that the key to getting tips is showing off as much as possible. And that's true, but you can save a lot of that for your private shows. Majority of the people who visit cam sites are there to see quote unquote real women. So just be you. Be fun, flirty. You can even be coy. Viewers aren't going to want to tip a stranger. They usually want to tip girls that they prefer or make a good impression. So you're mostly just making friends. Remember people's names or their screen names. Uh, welcome people when they enter your room. Just loosen up and have a good time with it. If it looks like you don't want to be there, then people are going to assume you're not going to be there. It sounds like a big blanket statement, but it's the best way to get people to come back to you. And lastly, choose yourself a good name that isn't close to your actual name. Fun fact, my name isn't Kay. My surname isn't Chalice. Those of you who are friends with me in real life know my real name, but hush... It was a name that fit me really well and gave off the air that I was kind of looking for with my Dom persona. Find something that fits you similarly. Make a pun, make a reference to anything, to pop culture, to literary things, or just toy around with different aspects of your name. You, you can even make an anagram. Things not to do. As a newbie, I advise not going off-site with your transactions. The appeal of doing Skype shows and getting that kind of instant gratification through PayPal, Venmo, etc. is really strong. But especially with new girls, it makes you a lot easier to scam. It does kind of make you a target, and there are ways that people can do that even when you think they won't. Wait until you get the lay of the land, so to speak, before you move off of whatever perspective site that you're thinking of working at. Next, use the absolute shit out of your ban button. Every campsite, sex work site, etc. has a blocker ban button. If someone's being a troll, if some insolent little bullshit incel is being an ass on your chat, or even if someone's saying things that make you uncomfortable, ban them. They aren't worth the pennies that they're probably willing to part with for your wonderfulness. And also, and I think this is the most important don't, don't discount yourself. What I mean by that is it seems easy to assume that if you set your prices low, then you'll get more viewers because you're so cheap. But sex work takes a lot of mental gymnastics and a lot of acting, and one hurdle you don't want to run into is the low self-esteem bug. If you set your price at what you're worth, other people will know that that's what you're worth too. Your body, your time, 
your sexuality, your mental health, they're all worth absolutely everything. So more than anything else, make sure that other people understand and believe that too. Question number four, why are you called K Chalice? First of all, that's Miss K Chalice to you, you cheeky monkey. But the reason I chose that was because it's one of the names of one of my favorite comic book characters, Crazy Jane, from Grant Morrison and Richard Case's Doom Patrol from the like late 80s, early 90s. She has multiple personalities, and K Chalice is kind of the original of that. So there you go. What is the hottest thing that has happened to you this week, miss? Mm. I'm mad for someone with manners. And the hottest thing that happened to me this week was Thursday, the first morning we woke up in our new house, my partner and I are both very early risers. Our new bedroom has this massive fuck-off bay window facing the east, so we woke up, got to watch the sunrise, which clearly called for a romantic sloppy blowjob. And in the middle of choking on his dick, he said, no, 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 come here, and pulled me on top of him so that he could fuck me because he just couldn't take it anymore. Oh, God, I love the feeling of being desperately wanted. What are some things I can do as a brat to drive daddy up the wall? Oh, boy, child, you came to the right place. Despite being a dom, I am very switchy and tend to be more submissive in the relationship I have with my partner. And the, uh, I, I'm a massive fucking brat. So here goes. Find every fucking loophole. If they say bend over, bend sideways. If they say, show daddy what's his right now, hand him a random object that belongs to him and then run away. If you're doing any sort of bondage, become a Houdini. Learn to pick cuffs or harness locks. Learn how to slip out of rope knots. Look up how to slip someone's grip on YouTube. There are plenty of like self-defense uh, online classes that you can look at of how to get out of a powerful grip and you can totally use it in this too. If it's a sadomasochistic relationship, if he starts punishing you, yawn a lot. Turn around a little bit when you're bent over and say, hey, when you're done, can you ask my daddy to come back in here? Generally, anything that you can do to make fun of them, tease them, or even just falling back on the old standard of make me, anything to antagonize them, just be as obnoxious as possible. Next question, how much research do you do into sex and kink? You're very knowledgeable. Well, first of all, hey, thank you. I try. I try. You can't see me, but I'm totally taking about right now. And I've spent probably the better part of 15 years reading up on sex and kink. Initially, I wanted to be a sex therapist, and I might still want to in the future, from a pretty young age. So I've dealt pretty deep. A combination of reading a lot of psychology books, auditing, uh, sexuality courses online, being just a very curious perv, talking to lots of friends who are doctors, other sex workers, psychologists, disease experts, and, and of course, being a sex worker myself and being an active kinkster since I was 15. They all kind of roll together into this brain full of a lot of experience firsthand, a lot of good people whom I've met and made connections with, and way too much useless boning information. I really love this one. What is your shoe size? Well, hello there, you charming, charming foot fetishist, you. I am a size five and a half to six in women's, though I am notably known for wearing children's sneakers on a regular basis. Have you ever gone long periods of time where your libido just isn't there? Is there anything that would cause dry spells like that for people with high sex drives normally. 
Oh my God, absolutely. There are so many reasons why a normally very sex-driven person can find themselves with no libido. My quote-unquote dry spells, as you put it, are usually very short and far between, but have usually been caused by debilitating bouts of depression. But that's just me personally. There are tons of other reasons why you might not be feeling so horny. Just some of the common ones, depression, seasonal depression, long-lasting or intense stress or pressure, um, any of stress or pressure from your job, your relationship, dehydration, poor diet, too little or even too much, exercise, overuse of alcohol, overuse of certain drugs, uh, some prescription medications that you may be taking can mess with your hormones or even just naturally low testosterone or estrogen, as I don't know like the sex of the person that's asking this question. But after all of that list, it's mostly up to you to find out the triggers for your body. If you hear that list and start making check marks in your head, then chances are you've found one of your problems and can address it from there. If you feel like it's something more, definitely go and speak to your doctor if you're able to. But overall, just give yourself a break. It can be really unsettling to not have a sex drive when you've normally got the horn constantly, but placing even more stress on yourself isn't going to help at all. So just give yourself a break and kind of just look at what's been going on around you. It's surprising how much uh, just everyday environmental things or psychological factors can weigh in on our sex drive. How old are you? I am as old as a 28-year-old tree, listener. Thoughts on FetLife, the community, and their move to Bitcoin transactions. How to set up a profile that mitigates thirsty guys hitting you up. Groups and links to good articles. Okay, this is going to be a pretty lengthy and in-depth answer, so buckle up. I know that FetLife gets a bad rap, and honestly, it's pretty damn well earned in a lot of the cases. There are a lot of elitists, there are a lot of fuckboys, a lot of scammers, a lot of missing stares, and a lot of wolves in sensual dom's clothing. But I personally can't talk a lot of shit about it in terms of meeting people. It's responsible for me meeting some of the coolest people I've ever had the pleasure of chatting with, as well as getting to meet and network with clients and other sex workers, which is always super helpful. And I know some of you are my listeners, so hi! I love you! But more importantly, FetLife is how I met the love of my life. My kinky partner and I met over FetLife, just by becoming like best friends over both kinky and non-kinky subjects and ended up madly in love. And now he is sitting here in the room with me in our fuck off massive house five years later. (laughs) So yeah, I can't really talk too badly about it. I think despite its flaws, it's a pretty incredible way to meet people as your most bare and exposed, literally, self. That's like, that's pretty cool. The community overall, like any other community, kinky or not, has its ups and downs. Awesome people and complete high horse riding shitbirds. Honestly, I think it's more about how much you allow yourself to be picky and whom you want to give your time, whether it's sexual, kinky, romantic, or even just friendship. Which kind of answers how to mitigate fuckboys and thirsty dudes in your inbox. Whether you're spreading your butthole for the camera or just posting like a completely clothed selfie, you're on a fetish and sex-based website. A lot of people do attempt to use it for hookups. I've never believed that that's the sole intent, but you're going to get a bunch of horny dudes in your inbox regardless of how you put yourself out there. Like, that that even happens off of FetLife, right? Not the only one. I know I'm not. There's no way for me to say how you can make your profile less horny dumbass bait, except for either don't give them your time by responding, 
or block anyone that you don't ever want to deal with ever again. I will forever and always advocate for the idea of blocking out toxic people in any atmosphere, but even more so in a sexual setting. If anyone figures out a better idea on how to answer this question and how to create a non-fuckboy profile in FetLife, feel free to let me know. But what I can tell you is how to find really cool people. I know it's a fetish-based website. Half the people don't bother reading your profile and just scroll through your photos with their friend Pamela Henderson. But the few who do will always take notice when you put yourself out there in a non-sexual sense, too. I met a very, very cool person on FetLife due to a mutual love of world history. I met one of my most favorite and treasured friends in the world because we both used the site to talk about old comic books, B-rated movies, and tabletop gaming. It's all because even though I put up that I like being a bossy bitch and or having my ass caned until I bleed, I'm also a person with vanilla interests, quote-unquote that are available as a talking subject. As far as groups, you asked for groups. I have no idea. I've always found like-minded people, but I've not really tapped into the groups available on FetLife, except for like checking where munches are. And the other groups specifically for sex workers to like support or advertise for clients. And you asked for links too. Instead of listing hundreds of links because, holy shit, that sounds exhausting. And I'm not really sure how you wanted me to list links in an all-verbal medium. I suggest using all-inclusive sites like DungeonNet as a resource. It's basically a database for every kinky website, forum, blog, etc. for the majority of fetish websites and niche needs. Lastly, because you're a selfish devil asking so many questions at once, Bitcoin has a lot of bad elements to it. There's been tons of reasons to steer clear. However, Bitcoin is a way to spend money without showing on your bank statement. For a lot of people trying to indulge in their kinky side without being found out for whatever reason that might be, that's very important. Especially with things like PayPal, you have to transfer money from your bank, which shows on a statement. Plus, they crack down on like illicit transactions in a lot of recent years. So, hey, if people are paying for videos on FET or paying sex workers with Bitcoin and things that aren't necessarily traceable back to their bank account for personal reasons, you won't catch me talking shit. It's not ideal to most people who are burgeoning economists, but for closeted kinksters, they have their needs too. And sometimes that kind of thing is necessary. <sighs> I told you it would be a long answer. Next question. What is the last thing that made you laugh? Oh, no. I love this question very much, first of all, and I appreciate you asking a, a very pleasant, happy question. But I do hate admitting my silly spot for bathroom humor because my partner gave me a very detailed description of his shit that happened two days ago and took all of two days to clean off the back of the toilet bowl. It's nasty as hell, but it was so detailed and the phrase a very sad, slowly slumping over puppet was used as, as a descriptor. So... We'll just leave it at that, but it left me cackling. Will you be doing an episode on Daddy Dom, Little Girl? Or Caretaker? Yes, I totally will. And within the same realm, I will also be talking about age play. I may do that as a separate episode, or I may include it to show the differences. Because they're entirely different things, but they kind of fall under the same brand of taboo that gets a really deplorable rap, despite it coming from a super intimate, deep place of love. So yes, especially as someone who does a lot of the daddy-dom-little-girl dynamic, as well as age play, I definitely, definitely be doing a very fun episode with that. Not a question, 
more of a statement. I'd let you peg me any day. Oh, promises, promises. Have your people email my people. Erotic hypnosis is a very niche kink that is often scoffed at for its association with non-consensual experiences. It's also disbelieved that anyone is actually being hypnotized. What are your thoughts? Getting this question in my inbox completely fucking thrilled me, partially because erotic hypnosis is such a niche kink, and partially because I love being hypnotized. My partner and I have been playing with erotic hypnosis for about three years now for the purpose of our mutual fetish of, like, bimbofication. So clearly my answer here is that I am a complete believer in the practice. However, as far as people not believing that it works, that's kind of why it doesn't work. If it's not your kink, or if you go into it believing that it doesn't work, then you're not going to be hypnotized. People have this old-fashioned belief that hypnosis is about putting someone to sleep and having them wake up to do whatever it is that they've been told. And that's a big misrepresentation. Hypnosis doesn't involve putting anyone to sleep, but instead has them completely awake, hyper-aware, on a subconscious level to the power of suggestion. So if you're stuck in your head thinking that you're going to go to sleep and wake up wanting to do whatever your partner tells you, I got news for you. Nah. It takes a clear open mind, lots of trust and practice, and a great deal of patience on both ends. So short answer, hell yes, I think it works. My bubbly bimbo ass can attest to that. But you have to be open to it. You have to want it and believe in it. It's kind of like fairies. Oh, but with non-consensual circumstances, this is a further reason for anyone listening interested in erotic hypnosis to make sure that whomever you take part in hypnosis with is someone that you trust implicitly. And I say that with literally any form of mental manipulation in kink, not just hypnosis. You have to sit and ask yourself if the person offering that kind of scene is one that you can trust to poke around in your actual subconscious mind. You have to know that they have only the best intentions with this type of play, and you absolutely, absolutely have to have the conversation with them about what you are or aren't willing to do in terms of suggestion. The second that person pushes back or like tries to convince you to do something you may or may not want to do or, or unsure about, do not engage. There is someone trustworthy who will be able to give you that service. Just be safe with you and with your head, please. Please be safe with your head. Do your partners get jealous about what you do? I assume you mean the sex work. <laughs> Just going to take a stab in the dark there. Uh, I'm super fortunate to have two partners who are very supportive in everything that I choose to do. My non-kinky partner has supported me wholly and lovingly and held a lot of curiosity about what I do for clients, but for the most part just is, is not bothered by it and just doesn't really care. Uh, and my kinky partner is a delightful pervert who not only supports me lovingly and wonderfully as a sex worker, but thinks it's completely hot that while I'm toying and teasing clients all day, he's the person who gets to fuck me. Would you be willing to take on a 24-7 online slave? Oh, boy. This question's very tricky. I've had pets and slaves online in the past, and we've all enjoyed it very much. However, I've just moved. I am getting my pages back up and running, as well as working at another job from home. I'm spending time with my partners whenever possible, and funny enough, I also have a six-year-old son. Things are... Very, very precarious in terms of time right now, and my time is spread much more thin than it usually is. When I take a slave, even online, I take it very seriously in terms of the time and emotional effort that I am able to give them. We may not be in an actual or traditional relationship, but I still care very deeply for my slave's well-being, 
and how available that I can be to them. And unfortunately, I also need to take care of myself right now too. So right now the answer is no. But especially if you're someone that I already know, please, please, please contact me. We can have a chat about it for the future if you like. But as of right now, it's a temporary no is the best way to put it. The last question I'm going to do today, I literally slipped in here because it made me laugh so fucking hard. Somebody asked, who is Tom Bombadil? And my answer is short, and that is, he is an unnecessary little fucking imp in terms of storytelling and an an arbitrary to the purpose of Tolkien's work. So suck on that, whatever troll submitted this question. And on that note, I think we're going to stop here so that I don't keep prattling on forever. I will continue with the rest of the questions at a later date, possibly a super surprise episode midweek, maybe even for the rest of the month if I keep getting good ones. Keep sending them in if you are so inclined. Other than that, don't forget to rate us on Stitcher, Facebook, and Spotify if we can ever figure out how their ratings work. And if you need to contact me, I have my information in the podcast notes, and I'm always interested in chatting with curious perverts and even possibly potential clients. So give me a shout or a moan or any other attention-grabbing noise of your choosing. Thank you, as always, everyone, for listening. Have great sex, do weird shit, and whenever possible, pay for your porn.